Chapter Two of A Man of Honor by George Carey Eggleston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two Mr. Pagebrook is invited to breakfast. After he had waked up whatever echoes there were in the building by his crescendo calling for Moses, besides spoiling the temper of the night editor, who was just then in the midst of his first slumber in the room opposite, Mr. Robb remembered that the old colored janitor, who owned the biblical name, and who, for a trifling consideration, ministered in the capacity of servant to the personal comfort of the occupants of the rooms under his charge, was never known to answer a call. He was sure to be within hearing, but would maintain a profound silence until he had disposed of whatever matter he might happen to have in hand at the moment, after which he would come to the caller in the sedate and dignified way proper to a person of his importance. Remembering this, and hearing some ominous mutterings from the night editor's room, our young gentleman withdrew his head from the corridor, put on his dressing-gown and slippers, and sat down to await the leisurely coming of the serving-man. Taking up the note again, he reread it, although he knew perfectly well everything in it, and began speculating upon what it could possibly mean, knowing all the while that no amount of speculation could throw the slightest ray of light on the subject in the absence of further information. He read it aloud, just as you or I would have done, when there was nobody by to listen. It was as brief as a telegram, and merely said, "'Will you please inform me at once whether we may count upon your acceptance of the position offered you?' It was signed with an unfamiliar name, to which was appended the abbreviated word, "'President.' "'I shall certainly be very happy to inform the gentleman,' thought the perplexed young man, "'whether he may or may not.' by the way he very improperly omits the alternative or not after his weather whether he may or may not count upon i must look up that expression and see if there is good authority for its use whether he may or may not count upon my acceptance of the position offered me just as soon as i can inform myself upon the matter as I have not at present the slightest idea of what the position is, it is somewhat difficult for me to make up my mind concerning it. However, as I am without employment and uncomfortably short of money, there seems to be every probability that my unknown correspondent's proposition, whatever it is, will be favorably considered. Moses will come after a while, I suppose, and he probably has the other letter caged as a valuable. Let me see what we have here from William. With this our young gentleman opened his only remaining letter, which he had already discovered by a glance at the postmark was from a Virginian cousin. It was a mere note in which his cousin wrote, A little matter of business takes me to Philadelphia next week shall be at girard hotel thursday morning meet me there at breakfast but don't come too early train won't get in till three 
so I'll sleep a little late. Should you wake me too early, I'll be as cross as a twenty-dollar banknote and make a bad impression on you. An amused smile played over Mr. Roberts' face as he read this note over and over. What he was thinking, I do not know. Aloud, he said, "'What a passion my cousin has for abbreviations. One would think he had a grudge against words from the way in which he cuts them up. And what a figure of speech that is! As cross as a twenty-dollar banknote? Let me see. I may safely assume that the letters Thursday, with an elevated D, mean Thursday. And as this is Thursday, and as the letter was written last week, and as my watch tells me it is now ten o'clock, and as my boots are still unblacked, and as Moses has not yet made his appearance, it seems altogether probable that my cousin's breakfast will be postponed until the middle of the day if he waits for me to help him eat it. I am afraid he will be as cross as half a dozen banknotes of the largest denomination issued when we meet. "'Did you call, sir?' asked Moses, coming very deliberately into the room. "'I am under the impression that I did, though it requires an extraordinary exercise of the memory to recall an event which happened so long ago. Have you any valuables for me?' Moses thought he had. This was as near an approach to anything like a positive statement as Moses ever made. He would go to his room and ascertain. Among many other evidences of unusual wisdom on the part of the old Negro was this, that he believed himself fully capable of recognizing a valuable letter whenever he saw it, and it was one of his self-imposed duties whenever the post brought letters for any absent member of his constituency to look them over and sequestrate all the valuables until the return of the owner so that they might be delivered with his own hand returning now he brought two valuables for mr pagebrook one of them was a printed circular but the other proved to be the desired letter which was a formal tender of a professorship in a New England college, with an entirely satisfactory salary attached. Accompanying the official notice of election was a note informing him that his duties, in the event of acceptance, would not begin until the 1st of January, the engagement of the retiring professor terminating at that time. Under the influence of this news, our young friend's face brightened quite as perceptibly as his boots did in the hands of the old servitor. He wrote his letter of acceptance at once, and then proceeded to dress for breakfast at the Girard house, whither he walked with as light a step and as cheerful a bearing as if he had not been a sadly disappointed lover at all. End of chapter 2